Good morning. Welcome to today's worship service. Today is the last Sunday before Transfiguration Sunday. And that matters because Transfiguration Sunday is the last Sunday before we start our journey into Lent. And we'll talk about that just a little bit in our sermon today as we look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount just a little bit more as we wrap up this Epiphany season. And so today we see that Jesus has made us his own, and so he wants to continue to shine through us or have us reflect who he is in the way that we act toward others, primarily, primarily in Christian love. Our opening hymn today is number 498, and we'll continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 15. God bless your worship. We continue on page 15 in the front part of your red hymnal. Please rise. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity, but I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Christ, have mercy on us. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, keep your family, the church, always faithful to you, that we may lean on the hope of your promises and be strong in the power of your love. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Leviticus 19, 1 through 2, 17 through 18. God, God's holy standard is clear. Love for our neighbor must be equal to the love each of us has for ourselves. The Lord told Moses to speak to the holy community of the Israelites and tell them these things. You shall be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. You shall not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. You must openly rebuke your fellow citizens so that you do not become responsible for his sins. You must not take revenge. You must not bear to grit grudge against your member of your people, you, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Psalm 103, page 
Our second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Selfless love, like Christ's love, seeking only to serve, is God's wisdom in action. Paul writes, In keeping with the grace of God given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. But let each person be careful how he builds on it. In fact, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this world, let him become a fool, so that he may become wise. To be sure, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise. He knows that it is worthless. Therefore, let no one boast about men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Our theme verse is printed for you there from Luke chapter 6. Alleluia. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Alleluia. Alleluia. Please rise for the reading of our gospel. Our gospel reading from Matthew 5. As God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, so he commands us to shine the light of his love on everyone around us. Jesus speaks. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evildoer. If someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you to take away your shirt, give him your coat too. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him for two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the, his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Indeed, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do that, don't they? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the unbelievers do that? So then, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. I invite you to turn to our Confession of Faith, the Nicene Creed, as found on page 18. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 492. Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And when you look at it there, we see really the tail end of our look at the Sermon on the Mount. And that Sermon on the Mount could have been summarized quite easily and quite simply in one passage, one verse from a little bit earlier. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father, who is in heaven. And everything else from the Sermon on the Mount is an expansion of that. Everything else leads back to that as Jesus lays out for you and for me, his believers, his followers, his disciples, what it means to live a Christian life. 
Of course, it all begins with the knowledge of who this Jesus is. That yes, we belong, we belong to Christ. And it all begins with the question of, where do I stand with God? The question that, that God puts ever so bluntly that you, we cannot avoid it. The question, the statement, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And those two statements can certainly be set in parallel, but so often I think it is quite simple and a little bit too easy to look past those and to say, well, that applies over my entire life and not to this one specific thing that Jesus is talking about. Because when we zoom out and we look at what, what God says, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, and we don't, it's like, it's like the camera zooms out and we don't really see exactly what Jesus is talking about. And the medicine, the law that is meant to address a one specific point or two specific points is diluted. And so the Christian just kind of nods and says, well, yeah, I'm not perfect, I'm not holy, I recognize that, okay, what next? But in context, Jesus is talking about our love for others and how it ought to reflect God's love for people. Listen to what he says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. And if that weren't difficult enough, Jesus sharpens the point ever so slightly. And he says that the Lord sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Lord makes the sun to rise on the good and the evil, that is, those who believe in him and those who do not. And it all kind of comes together when we recognize where do we stand with God and why do we stand there and what in the world does Jesus mean when he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And it all comes together when we know who Jesus is. And when we see how utterly complete his redemption is. Because God tells us again and again in his word that unbelief is hostility toward God. That really, there are no gray areas. There's the, the believers and the unbelievers. There are those who, who follow Christ and those who do not. And no matter what external deeds someone might do, what really matters is the heart. Take, for instance, one of the most wealthy men in the world, Bill Gates. I read recently that his philanthropic efforts have estimate um, have saved about six million lives by estimates through through various charities and various organiz organizations and various attempts to to wipe out diseases and treat health and bring health care to certain areas of this world he's given away millions upon billions of dollars and saved six million people anyone here <laughs> save six million people or two. Maybe you stepped in with CPR or an AED when somebody needed it. But the way we look at it, it might seem that Bill Gates has done so much more than I, and that Bill Gates is a much better person than you or I is, you or I are, and that his efforts would be so far and away beyond what we could accomplish that surely, surely, God must look upon that as something good and wonderful. But God doesn't look at it that way. The Lord does not judge by the external appearances. He looks at the heart. And what is it that prompted such acts? I don't know. I haven't spoken with Bill Gates about his, his standing with God. But if he is an unbeliever, then all of his efforts crumble to dust. 
And you as the believer, and your efforts, stand up and shine in a way that Bill Gates would know absolutely nothing about. And that kind of gets us a little bit closer to understanding what Jesus means when he says, let your good deeds, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Because as a Christian, people will see what you do, even, and I would say, especially when you don't. Because even the Christian looking in the mirror or standing there at Judgment Day with Jesus saying how, how you came to visit him when he was in prison or sick, how you clothed him when he was naked, how you fed him when he was hungry, and the believers standing there at Judgment Day are pictured as saying, Lord, when did we see you? When did we visit you? Not because it didn't happen, but just because they had done it naturally. Because that's what Christians do. That's who Christians are. You see, when God made you his own, when God came to you in the waters of holy baptism, when he sent his word through the preaching of, when he sent his spirit through the preaching of God's word, and he created faith, he took a heart that absolutely hated him, that was dead. And he breathed new life into it. And he said, I've removed from you this, this heart of stone and given you this new heart. Now go. This is who you are, so be who you are. And that refrain echoes again and again throughout the pages of Scripture that Christians live as who they are because of who Christ has made them to be. Again and again. Let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And the whole Sermon on the Mount is a commentary on that. But we hear that, and we wonder, what does that look like for me today? Do I just, do I just live a Christian life and figure that everybody else will pick up on the fact that I'm a Christian? What's the best that I can do? How can I best provide a Christian witness, especially in a country where those who have grown up Christian are walking away from faith at greater numbers than ever before? And what does living as a Christian really look like from the inside out? Does it look like Bill Gates bending over backwards, sending away billions of dollars to save millions of people? Does it look, rather, like a mother changing a diaper? Or a father teaching his children? Or a single person sitting in the pew, confessing in their heart, singing praises to God? What does that light shining in my life really look like? Our first reading today really sharpens the picture, helps us to zoom in, to see that, that the love God wants from us is a reflection of the love that he has for us, and that the love that he has for us is not a love that is simply, simply action without word, but the love that he wants from us is the love of word and deed. A love prompted by the right reason and carried out for the right purpose. This is what he says back in, back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. You shall not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. You must openly rebuke your fellow citizens so that you do not become responsible for his sin. And those words don't quite seem to jive with our concept of love and good deeds. How is it loving to tell somebody that they're in the wrong? How is it loving as, as a church, as a church body, to refrain from working together with other churches and other congregations because of what they teach or what we don't teach? 
How is it loving that it seems like we tend to hide our light rather than demonstrating our love? It comes back once more to who Jesus is and how utterly complete your redemption is. And everything else flows from that. When Jesus made you his own, and he washed you clean, and he said, this is your new life. A life of good deeds that far surpasses anything this world could offer, because the life of good deeds that you live is Christ working through you. Because you belong to Christ, he has made you to be his reflection. Because you belong to Christ, you are now a member of his kingdom and now live out that light, that life, which he has given to you and created to shine through you. And so Christians really seek to love each other and to love even the unbeliever. And the greatest good that the Christian can do in that regard is to speak up. Oh boy. I'll put that again. That the greatest good the Christian can do is to speak up. Because, yes, the world will see your good deeds and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that may happen today. That may happen during your lifetime, during this period of your time here on earth. But it might not. Instead, when the world sees your good deeds and hears what you believe, they won't, they won't necessarily fall all over themselves praising God for the life that they see reflected in you. They might rather call you out and spit upon you and persecute you and speak ill of you because of the Christ that you bear, because of the name which marks your life and the name which drives your deeds. The world hates Jesus and when Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven, when he says that, yeah, some of that will be fulfilled in this lifetime. But a lot of that won't be fulfilled until the last day. And so the greatest good that the Christian can do now is, yes, to live out that life of good deeds, and yes, to speak up. Because it's the word that makes the difference. It's the motivation behind the action that makes the action correct. Okay, yeah. Some things are objectively right and good because they line up with God's moral will for all people of all time. To care for the hungry and the needy. To, to honor one's father or mother. To preserve life. To prevent theft. Everything that we have so nicely summarized in the Ten Commandments, those things are objectively right and good and moral. And it's a good thing, even when unbelievers do that. But it has absolutely no spiritual value without faith. And whatever good may have been accomplished during that lifetime without faith, if there is no faith, that good deed will crumble. On the day of God's fire and wrath, it will burn up in the heat. But what will remain? Exactly what Paul talked about in Corinthians. The foundation. What he goes on to say a little bit later in the chapter, the structure built with gold and silver and precious stones, that will remain. But the structure of wood, hay, and straw that the world tries to build and praise will be burned up in the heat. You see, the, the whole big picture is that you cannot separate one doctrine from another in our proclamation of the love of Christ. I had this discussion with a, with a young man recently, and I wish it had been a face-to-face -face discussion, but it wasn't. Oh, well. And he basically had said, well, there in the Wisconsin Synod, I don't quite feel like you guys are as loving as you ought to be. I feel that as I live out my life here and with, with my family here, I feel that I'm a better Christian, 
I live a better life, and I'm actually a lot more loving and accepting. And based on what he said he believed, he really ended up discarding a lot of what God's word says. In an effort to have the praise of the world, he risks missing out on Jesus. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And seeing that from the wrong angle and with the wrong motivation and with the wrong timeline, we risk losing the Jesus who bought us. But the reality is this, that Jesus has made you his own. That why you live as you do and why you act as you do as an employee, as a parent, as a single person, any of that, the life that you lead must be prompted by love for Christ. And it is. When God has come to you in word and sacrament, he is the one who created that faith. He is the one who nourishes that faith. He is the one who sets the heart straight. He is the one who says, Dear Christian, this is the way to go. And the Christian life of faith, the Christian heart just jumps up and down at that fact and says, Dear Lord, thank you. It's not necessarily that you woke up in the morning and said, I had five points from Pastor Hagen's sermon, and these are the five things i got to do today or carry out this week. Because that's not the point of, of a sermon here today. The point is to let the Holy Spirit diagnose and address the insecurity and the guilt, the lack of love, and the imperfect love that we show a love that must be driven by our testimony to Christ, a love that is clothed in the truth of God's word, a love that acts out in love for others wherever possible. Not obsessed with the, the greatest and the most wonderful and the loudest deeds that the world acclaims as loving and wonderful, but rather simply content that the Lord knows the Lord sees that it doesn't matter if the world knows what I do. It doesn't matter if they hate what I do and don't understand my motivation for speaking up God's law, even when God's law judges sin. Because I am being faithful to what my God has made me to be. Because my Lord has given me his word. And far be it from me that I should let any syllable of it fall to the ground unfulfilled. Not that your salvation is contingent upon your Christian living. Good works are not necessary for salvation in that regard. Your good works play not one bit into your standing with God. But it certainly does. It certainly does in our proclamation of Christ in this world, and in the glory that we bring to God in this world. And God sees that. And God and the angels of heaven rejoice at even the smallest of returns upon God's word. The word that, by the way, he has promised will never return empty. That same word, when one lost coin out of ten, one lost sheep out of one hundred, one lost son out of two. When those things are found and returned, all the angels of heaven sing for joy. There we see the glory of God revealed. There we see that, yes, God's creatures, the holy angels, Praise God for your life of faith. Even when the world doesn't see why you do what you do, even when the world would ridicule what you do and what you say and what you believe as unloving, 
God takes us back to his word and says, this is what love is. To hold out the truth of God's word, the truth of where we stand with God in Christ, and we don't let go of one to go chasing after the other. Because if we let go of one, we let go of both. We are Christ's, so let us be Christ's. And that's the way Martin Luther described this Sermon on the Mount. That you and I belong to Christ through and through. Heart, soul, mind, body, life. We belong to Christ. And so he is the one who wants to shine through us and speak through us because he has made you a member of his kingdom, a member of himself, his body, the church. So let us be Christ's. Yeah, that may mean a little bit more reading and study to see what Christ actually says. And yeah, it is tough work sometimes. It does mean carrying the cross in this world and letting the world spit upon us for that cross. But to that Jesus says, Blessed are you when men persecute you, hate you, speak ill of you. Because you know that you are Christ's. So go on. Be like Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I invite you to turn to page 20 in the front part of your red hymnal where you will find the Create in Me. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. Please rise for prayer. Lord Jesus, you call all who are weary and burdened to come to you for rest. Rejoicing in your grace, we now come to this heavenly feast in which you give your children on earth your true body and blood to eat and to drink. Remove from us the soiled garments of self-righteousness and sin, and clothe us with the righteousness purchased with your blood. Strengthen our faith, 
increase our love, especially for those with whom we share this blessed communion, and after, after this life, grant us a place at your heavenly table through Christ our Lord. And we also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue on page 21 in the front part of your red hymnal with the sacrament. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lived among us as a human being and revealed his glory as your only Son, full of grace and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. may be seated during the distribution we'll sing hymn number 486 